Test, test. Hi, this is Tova from Operation Tube Top. So this is another podcast. I know I promised that this would, the last one was going to be the last one uh, for the week, but I'm so inspired, especially after what I did yesterday evening, and it didn't involve that much alcohol, so it's quite new and fun. Uh, this is going to be kind of an educational post, so if you're bored, get some wine, settle down, sit back, and listen to some stories about Vienna. As you have probably figured out by now, I love the city, and I adore finding out new things about it all the time. Um, maybe not so much about the 10% finder's fee, which I talked about the other time, but there's other things that I think are quite fascinating. So... Just to give you a little bit of a background, uh, a few weeks ago, I saw that this one Facebook page called Secret Vienna was going to do a tour called Dark Secrets of Vienna, and I love anything that is morbid and dark and spooky, and I myself am strange and unusual. So if you know that quote, 10 points for me. Uh, so yeah, I signed up, and I was really super excited, and I saw that a couple of other friends were interested as well. And uh, Secret Vienna, which I've talked about briefly before, is this amazing Facebook page that comes up with these really kind of random trivia about the city. And I think one of my favorite posts was a few months ago where they would ask a question about some mystery or some statue, and one guy would always respond with the answer. So they kind of posted one day, like, what does this statue mean? Everybody can answer, but, you know, Bob. And it was hilarious. Uh, but I like it. I like this uh, Facebook page. I like that they've come out with a book, which I totally intend to buy. Or somebody can buy it for me because I'm lazy. Uh, so I thought, I need to go on a walking tour. I've done a couple of walking tours in the past in Vienna, and I love being a tourist in this city. And I've seen a lot. I've learned a lot. But I thought, you know, it's been a really long time. And instead of just sitting at a bar, maybe I should go to a bar, then go for a walk, and then go to a bar again. So let me tell you a little bit about this tour. I don't want to give away too many of the secrets because I want people to go on this tour themselves. But I'm going to tell you the things that I found the most fascinating uh, on this little uh, walking tour I did last night. So get your glass of wine, sit back, and get ready to hear some really fantastic stories. So the tour uh, started yesterday around 6 o'clock, but we had to be there at 5.45. And we met at this one uh, kind of church square. It's a place that I've actually rarely gone to. It's it's kind of a random part in the first district. It's Minoritenplatz, which is this kind of odd church that has all sorts of different, uh, I was going to say archaeology, no, archae, architectural, I don't, I don't even know. It's complicated. I'm tired. Um, you can tell by my voice it's scratchier than usual. I've had about five hours of sleep and I was at work all day and then I just put the kid to bed. So I sound a little rough right now, but I'm, I'm so excited to talk about uh, what I learned about yesterday. So we met at 5.45, bought our tickets. There were about 30 people. It was a huge crowd. I was, I was quite surprised. And it wasn't really a tourist crowd. It seemed like a lot of people in their 30s, 40s, and actually people from Vienna, which is great because I think it's always amazing when people want to find out more about the city that they live in. So the tour guide, she's Viennese, and immediately she just seemed so super excited about being there, which I think is really key because you don't want someone being like, sup? This is a statue. Uh, she seemed really excited. She was happy about being there, and probably because there was about 30 people and everybody paid. Um, I also like the fact that she talked about how the Viennese love wine and death, and I was like, I must be Viennese. I mean, I don't want to die, but the the morbidity or the, the morbidness, I don't even know the term, and wine, you know, hand in hand. So... 
I guess one of the f- stories I'll, I'll start off with is talking about um, people being terrified of being buried alive. I mean, I think this is a, quite a real fear for most people. For me, as I said before, I want a mausoleum, I want strobe lights, I want maybe some velvet, definitely glitter, or you can turn me into a diamond that needs to be worn by somebody. So what she was saying is that back in the 1800s, people had this real fear of being buried alive because I guess it was happening a lot. That's that's not so great. And doctors were misdiagnosing. Um, I would assume that's an easy thing to diagnose, but apparently not back in the day. So they came up with this concept, and this is actually found in cemeteries kind of around the world, was they would tie a rope around the corpse's body or finger, and it was a, it led to a bell that was in, like, I don't know, the undertaker's office. And so when that bell would ring, they, know, they knew to go and dig this body up because the person was still alive. Now, unfortunately, when you have people de- decomposing, the bell's going to ring. For whom the bell tolls? I think maybe is that? Wait. Did I just discover something? Maybe that was... Uh, anyway, so pretty much it was discovered that this saved nobody's life. life. They, they were all dead. But when the body starts to decompose, the bell will ring. And I just think about the poor guy on his first day of work. They're like, if you hear the bell, dig him up. And must have been terrifying. So that was kind of interesting to hear about. The next thing that I found that kind of blew my mind, um, which is kind of a longer story. So Rudolph II, who was the emperor of the Holy Roman Austrian Empire. I mean, they were huge. It was a big empire. Uh, End of the 1500s with his favorite mistress. And I didn't know that people had favorite mistresses. I thought you just got one, but I guess the the nobility had a different, you know, they're just like us or not. They have many mistresses. So his favorite one, he had six kids. And his oldest, he called Julius Caesar. Uh, He had a lot of, I guess, you know, hope that this guy would end up being quite important to his court later on, I mean, as his illegitimate child, but, you know, there's no pressure there. Like, naming your kid, like, what, Thomas Edison. But anyway, so, unfortunately, Julius Caesar was not exactly the child he imagined. This kid was problematic, um, was doing things that were kind of out of line and cruel, and he was kind of exiled to Chesky Krumlov, which is now in Czechia, Czech Republic, and um, I guess he continued on being a little bit nutso. And he himself had a few mistresses because, you know, it was trendy. And he was dating some girl who was called, let me just look it up right now. Oh, this is tough. Uh, her name was Marketa Pichlerova. And she was the daughter of the local barber slash surgeon. I guess, you know, man of many trades. And... They were dating. I don't know if they went out, but in the castle, he beat her up and stabbed her. And thinking she was dead, he threw her out the window. Now, this was apparently a very common thing, defenestration. You just threw people out the windows all the time. (sighs) Seems like a lot of work. So he threw her out the window, and she survived. Now, when we were on this tour yesterday, it was, you know, Three ladies, one guy, and then a couple other people that I knew were also there. But the four of us were kind of the peanut gallery. We, three of us heard that she was, she fell on a donkey. And so we had this amazing image of this woman being like, yes, I'm on a donkey. She survives, rides off into the sunset. Other person said that it was a dunk heap. So we didn't really understand that how she was, we don't know. So 
this was a big discussion afterwards over cocktails, was she on a donkey or a dung heap? So I did a little research today, and I'm sad to say that she actually fell on the dung heap. She fell on a pile of rubbish and survived. But the story, it does not have a great ending. So she survives. She goes back to her parents. She's like, sup, um, really bad boyfriend, back home. Uh, can you hide me? This guy, Julius Caesar of Austria, decides that he kind of likes her still, finds out that she's back with the parents, and imprisons the father saying, I need her back. I mean, it's romantic, I guess. I don't know. It's a little creepy. And he says to her mother, he says, I promise I will never hurt her again if you bring her back to the castle. And the mother should have been like, yeah, whatever, OJ. But she was like, no, fine, okay. Release my husband. You can have Marquetta back. So poor Marquetta goes back to the castle. And that evening, the servants hear her screaming. It's absolutely horrific. And the next day, they go in, and she's been, this is awful. This is terrible. She's been disemboweled. Her eyes, uh, it's awful. So she's been killed. She's been murdered. And even the emperor at the time was like, son, I, I can't protect you over that. That's, you know, raping, pillaging, eh, killing her in that fashion, not so good. Her head was caught up. It was awful. So he ended up um, kind of being arrested, and he died. And as our tour guide said, choking on his own pus. It was beautiful, gorgeous, beautiful. Yeah, so he died. Uh, but it was the story, and they and they do believe that the guy was probably, unfortunately, suffering from schizophrenia. Um, but that was, that was one of the great, crazy stories. So I have to say, she did not fall on a donkey. She fell on a dung heap or rubbish. And also, you have to question the mother um, sending her back. But eh. So um, I guess the next story was, uh, what was it? What was it? Oh, the mandrake. Okay. So I hadn't really, I had heard the term mandrake, but I didn't really know what it was. And when the tour guide said mandrake, one of my friends was like, Oh, Harry Potter. And I was like, yeah, I never read the books. I did see the film once. I think it was the first one, which must've been 15 years ago, more. I don't really remember. Uh, I think I had had some cocktails before. I wasn't that much into it. I'm sorry to everybody who's a huge Potter fan. I know I'm the worst. I'm awful. Um, it was kind of like when I watched Lord of the Rings and it was, I think it was like the, the, the premiere and it was at midnight and it was three hours long and maybe I had also had cocktails before and I just thought it was the worst. I was like, what is with this ring? It is not even a Tiffany's ring. It's not, it's not a princess cut. There's no platinum. Oh, take the ring. I don't care. So I'm sorry. Yes, I'm the worst. I just, I, I've never gotten into those two types of books and films. Anyway, so the mandrake apparently is a root. It's a special root that looks almost like a human. Um, and I looked up, I Google searched, uh, Google image searched mandrakes and there are these kind of like weird roots. And sometimes you see it in carrots and other things. They look like weird kind of chubby people. Kind of looks like me out of the shower. So you got the mandrakes. So the mandrakes were kind of these things that were kind of mythical back in the day. And there was this legend that a mandrake only grew from the blood of someone who had been hung. This is really, I told you, it was Dark Secrets of Vienna. So, but to get it, you couldn't just pick a mandrake out of the ground because the screams of the mandrake being pulled out of the ground would kill a human. I guess this is kind of the first anti-vegan movement. So what they would do is they would apparently get a dog to dig out the mandrake. The dog, unfortunately, would pass away, but then you got your mandrake and then it was safe. And the mandrakes were considered so important that what they would do is bring them back to the emperor 
and they, they were given kind of like a little box. They were bathed daily in red wine and they were given kind of little clothes made for them, like couture clothes. I mean, I want to be a mandrake. That's it. Like that's, that's my life. Keep me in a box. Give me the Wi-Fi password. I'd be happy. Couture clothes, red wine. Perfect. So that was kind of neat to hear about the mandrakes. And I still need to know more about them because I don't really understand if they really were just carrots or not. Um, we also learned about unicorns and there is a horn, I think in the treasury, uh, and it comes from the, the narval whale. And I guess they thought that was a unicorn horn. It's still pretty impressive. And then they, you know, we in the back were like, <laughs> dildo, we're awful. We're terrible people. We should not be on tours. And apparently only virgins could see a unicorn. And then the unicorn would rest its lap, its head on her lap. And, of course, that led to many more um, inappropriate jokes throughout the evening. So I guess the next story, uh, which unfortunately has been debunked by one of our friends that was on the tour, um, they're in trouble. So the story was actually more about Queen Elizabeth I, and she had a secret agent. And I don't know who was secret agent or lover. She's the queen. She owns land. You know that she's got she's got a bit of a, a booty call on the side. She's... She was pretty. She had stuff going on for her. So Queen Elizabeth I apparently had this secret agent, and he was kind of a spy, and he helped her out. And every time he would send her letters, it was almost like a square root sign, but backwards, and then underneath two zeros. So when the tour guide held up the the symbol of or the signature of this guy, she asked us what it looked like. Now, me being a very classy lady kind of went, <laughs> boobs. But it turned out that it was supposed to be 007. So there was this kind of maybe theory that Ian Fleming, the creator of James Bond, saw this symbol. Unfortunately, it's been debunked. Ian Fleming took a bus, and it was the 007 bus. I don't know. It's really, I'm, I'm kind of devastated. I thought it was a really cool story. So that's been debunked. Uh, so next up, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about vampires. I'm just going to take a really super quick break to clear my throat because I'm sounding rough. And I'll be back. Okay, so I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. Um, I just had a little heart attack. I thought the microphone had been off this whole time, and I was like, that's, that's fun. So the next kind of cool story, maybe the last big story, because I really I don't want to give too much away about this tour, and I completely recommend booking any of the tours, but this one's pretty cool. So back in the 1700s, Maria Therese, who was the empress of Austria, Austro-Hungarian Empire. She was amazing. I think she had something like 17 children and obviously a lot of nannies. And she was kind of getting tired of the vampire rumor. I guess vampires were kind of big. It was kind of twilight back in the day. And people were just chopping people's heads off when they died. And I think that was caused, I don't know. She just was kind of tired of it. And she was also looking for a really good doctor. So she looked around, she was trying to find an amazing doctor, and there was one in the Netherlands called Van Sweeting, I think was his name. And she asked him to come to her court to be the court physician. And at first he said no, because he was playing a little hard to get. And then I guess there was, I don't know what happened, but finally he agreed to come to the Vienna court to be the top physician. Um, and he was working there, and she said to him, she's like, listen, I am tired of the vampire story you need to debunk it. You need to get rid of this kind of superstition. We'll still leech each other. We'll put leeches on stuff, but that we need to put to bed. So this doctor, Dr. Van Sweeting from the Netherlands said, okay, I'm going to go to Eastern Europe. I'm going to do a whole report about how vampires don't exist. So he went 
He spent, I don't know how much time there, came back with a long report and said, no, vampires don't exist. Now, kind of the coolest part of the story is that this guy, kind of almost like a vampire hunter, existed in the 1700s. Then later on in the 1800s, a very famous writer called Bram Stoker wrote Bram Stoker's Dracula. Great film. So Bram Stoker um, created a character who was a Dutch physician whose name was Van Helsing. So if you know anything about vampires, you'll know that Van Helsing was the vampire hunter. So it's kind of a cool tie-in to Vienna. And this is probably why they always say that the um, the sun never sets on the Austro-Hungarian Empire. So they're in everything. So Twilight, probably originally Viennese. Pretty cool. So I like that story a lot. So I think that pretty much sums up the coolest parts that I heard. There were so many more. I mean, it was two hours of nonstop information, and I kind of wish I had taken notes during it uh, instead of writing it this morning, kind of exhausted and being like, Mandrake, question mark, dream job, uh, hashtag Gemütlichkeit. Um, after the tour, it was hilarious because my former boss was there with her daughter, and I love my former boss. She's great. And I asked her, you know, like, what did you think about the tour? Did you enjoy it? And she was like, ah, it was a little dark. And I was like, but there was the dark secrets of Vienna. And she had no idea. She had booked it. Just think it was a walking tour. So that made me, um, that made me LOL. That was quite funny. And she was like, I wonder why you posted a selfie with the hashtag goth earlier in the morning. I was like, yeah, I like a theme. I'm a good, I'm good at themes. So after that, we decided to, you know, the four of us decided to go and meet two other friends who invited me out for cocktails. So we went to Hammond's in the second district. So we made our way to Schottentor and then we grabbed the U-Bahn and we went to this cocktail bar, which is funny because I had went there the first time, I think about 10 years ago. So it's always funny to go back to that place, ordered a margarita. We sat around and we ended up being about five women and one guy. And what usually happens when you've got the majority of maybe a gender, we're going to talk about something gender centric that's personal to us. So we decided to talk about gynecologists and this guy, I mean, great. He was, he was okay with it. He, he was a fan of the topic and, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's locker room talk, get over it. It's great. No, we had a really fun time. And we also decided to talk a little bit about the Habsburgs. Now the Habsburgs, as I talked to Maria Theresia, Rudolf II, they're all this family. And the Habsburgs was the ruling family of Austria for centuries. And they were very smart because instead of going to war, they decided to marry each other, which initially turned out okay. And then there was a lot of inbreeding and you know, sloped foreheads. It wasn't, it wasn't great. And, uh, there was one point of the tour and this is jogging my memory is the tour guide shows up, she shows us a painting of, I guess the last of the Spanish Habsburgs. And she kept saying, you know, he's three in the painting. And she goes, you know, look, look how pale he is. And I'm, I'm looking down at myself. I'm like, is that inbreeding? What? And then later on I found out frail. So I'm feeling a little bit better about being pale. I was a little bit worried. I was going to call my parents, ask them out a little bit about their history. So we're talking about the Habsburgs, and I remember it was about six years ago, Otto von Habsburg, who was kind of the next in line to take over the monarchy uh, before Franz Josef died um, during World War One. So Otto passed away, and they did this incredible funeral procession in Vienna along the Ring Street. And I went with the kid who was a baby at the time and the husband, and we were watching this amazing procession of 
thousands of people. And Otto was very loved because he was actually, um, I guess he was a philanthropist. He was a nice guy and he was so anti-fascist. I can't say that right now. And what was really cool during the procession is that you had rabbis walking with priests. It was, it was beautiful. And I think I remember we had just gotten the kid to fall asleep in his, uh, in his baby carriage. And then the brass band went by and I think he jumped like 16 feet out of his stroller. Um, adorable, great parenting. Um, but we were talking about the houseworks and I was talking about who the next in line is. And I, I, I think I messed I think his name's Max. I'm not sure, but he married many, many years ago, a woman called Francesca Habsburg, who was from the Tyson Bornemisa family, which is a Swiss family. And, on our tour, the tour guide pointed out the Cappuccino Grift, uh, which I always think of the Cappuccino Grift, which is pretty much the crypt, the imperial crypt. And there, it's really cool. If you have time to go in there, I completely recommend it. It's all the um, coffins of the monarchy. And they're super ornate and amazing, unless you're the middle child and then it's a little box in the corner. It's, it's incredible. You see these amazing coffins. And I went there once and I was like, I feel a cold, a cold spot. It was a draft, but I felt a cold spot. It's, it's hauntingly beautiful. And so apparently this latest Habsburg Max and when he was dating Francesca and I, you know, don't quote me on this. This is not, I'm not a reporter. I'm not a journalist. I have no, I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but what I had heard is that on a date, he took her to see his ancestors, his relatives and he wanted to propose to her. And his proposal was, as they were looking around all the coffins of his family, he said, how would you like to be buried here one day? Oh, oh honey. <laughs> I mean, I hope you had a ring at least. It's, it's hilarious. I, I really hope that's a true story because when I heard that years ago, I thought it was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. So Vienna and death, hand in hand. It's 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 quite dark, but it's very romantic in its own bizarre way. So we talked a lot about um, this, and we talked about inbreeding. We talked about gynecology after the walk, of course, and it was a very fun night. And it was it was nice to do something different and to learn more things about the city. I didn't actually. I didn't know about, and I thought I knew a lot about the city. So I'm definitely going to take another tour. Uh, I briefly talked to the guy who, who runs um, Secret Vienna, and I was like, well, are you going to do maybe a Jewish tour? Because I think that would be interesting for a lot of tourists. And he said, you know, well, the community's quite closed here. And in my very appropriate way, I said, well, fool us once. Uh, but no, I think there's, there's so much that they are going to be doing and they're going to be offering. And he's trying to get as much feedback as possible. And I think that this is a, a fantastic step for tours in Vienna. And what's great is that they're hiring people who are legitimate tour guides. And this woman was so full of energy and excitement. So um, several thumbs up. It was, it was definitely an experience and I can't wait for them to do more. The only thing that I would like is that it would be a little bit darker. Yeah. Okay. There was beheading and there was, um, inbreeding, but I would like even darker and maybe, maybe show us where certain crazy people lived. And so in the future, when I'm walking down the street with friends, I'll be like, did you know over there, that guy went nuts, killed his family crazy. So I'm dark. I'm, I'm disturbed, but I went on the dark secret tour. That's, that's who I am. Anyway, I guess to sum everything up, uh, it's a Friday night. Uh, 
I hope you have a great weekend. I'm going out for dinner tomorrow night. Otherwise, going to a friend's child's birthday party on Sunday in the park. It's going to be a pretty low-key weekend, and it's supposed to be cooler tomorrow, and I cannot wait. Done with shaving. Done. Um, also, little, little shameless self-promotion. If you liked this post or you liked any of the podcasts before, please share them. Uh, it's, I'm having so much fun with this and, uh, I need, I need to get some hits. I need people to be listening once in a while. Uh, just put it on mute. That's fine. I don't care. But no, I, to be honest, this has just been a kind of a guilty pleasure this past week. And I promise that I'll be actually writing a blog soon, uh, hopefully in the next day or two, because that I also love to do. Again, I hope you all have a wonderful evening. I hope you enjoyed the stories. Please check out Secret Vienna uh, on Facebook. They're fabulous. And I'll let you know when I'm going on the next tour, and I will be the inappropriate one in the back making jokes about boobs. So I guess that's all for now. Toodles.